And I have the three check marks. So that means we're live and people are going to start filtering in here any minute. So Janet, are you excited about being on a live stream? We're broadcasting on LinkedIn, on Twitter and on YouTube all at the same time. Terrific. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. Let me play the intro and uh, we'll get underway. I'm David C. Barnett and you're tuned in to Small. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like, and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Well, awesome, everyone, and uh, welcome to all the viewers that are joining us. People are starting to filter in. Uh, today, I have with me Janet Falk, who is a, a public relations professional. And, and I think, Janet, just to, to get us started off, uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about your story and about how you came to be involved in the world of public relations? Sure. My pleasure, David. Thank you so much for having me with you and your viewers today. I am a public relations professional and a marketing communications professional, and my background includes higher education, Wall Street, nonprofit, and the legal services industry. And I have been able to move between these industries because I view myself as a strategic analyst who gets her arms around the business and figures out who is on the other side and what do they need to know and how can we communicate that information to our audience so that they will take the next logical step? I hope that summarizes. I, I think you did a great job. And, and just so that everyone's on the same page, could you define public relations for me? Yes. Public relations is a strategic communications process that develops mutually beneficial relationships between an entity and its publics. Now that entity can be a business or a business owner. It can be a consultant. It can be a corporation. It can be a nonprofit organization. And in that case, you have to ask, who are these publics? Because they may be investors. They may be consumers. They may be stakeholders. They may be people who live in the community. So the most important thing to realize is, Public relations is a strategic communications process, and it develops mutually beneficial relationships between an entity and its many diverse publics. Now, you're joining me today from New York City, and that's a place, of course, where a lot of news happens. I mean, a lot of the, the stories that we see on the evening news are coming out of New York. When you are thinking about creating, as you said, public relations is a system uh, that is to, uh, it helps to facilitate a strategy about reaching the public. Um, what Can you take us through some of the broad strokes of how someone should think about that? If I'm a business owner, am I just thinking about my customers? You mentioned other groups. You mentioned community members, investors. Um, where should someone start when they're thinking about their own business? It's a difficult question to answer because it depends on how you see your business growing over time. 
many people think that they want to be in the news because they want to attract more customers. And, and certainly we all need more customers in order to grow our business. But another reason that you might want to be reaching out to being in news media is you want to be top of mind with your referral sources. When you are talking about an issue that people need to think more about and you offer a solution to that issue, then your referral source is going to think, oh, that David, he understands Pat's business. Pat is my client. I should introduce Pat to David and then David can take care of Pat's problem. So your referral sources may be one of your audiences. But at the same time, don't you want to be in touch with your many networking contacts mm. and your lapsed clients? When they see you in the news, then they will remember who you are, what you do, what you did for them in the past, and then they too will want to connect with you. But this can go much further. You can also think about people who are like-minded, and who want to join you in advocating for a point of view or, or for a cause. If you serve on the board of a nonprofit, you might want to advocate for that organization, whether it's social justice or, or the environment. And maybe you want to recruit employees because doesn't every college graduate want to work for that hot company that's mm. always getting in the news? And, and finally, what about your local elected officials? You don't want to be asking them for a favor as a first go. You want them to already know who you are and how you are committed to serving the community so that when you do need their help in, you know, addressing an ordinance change or something like that, you want the local officials to already be having you on their radar. So it's one thing to attract new business, but it's something else if you want to be in touch with your referral sources, your networking contacts, your lapsed clients. You can even be reaching out to prospective vendors. If they see you have a growing business, they want to get a piece of that action too. And as I said, employees who might want to work for your company, elected officials, and so on. So there's many more audiences than simply stakeholders and you know members of the industry. So you know, you're, you're talking about being in the media and we hear so much about social media and social media marketing, which to a great degree, uh, companies and individuals can can try to influence on their own. But the traditional media has these these gatekeepers, the reporters, right? They're the ones that create the stories and they're the ones that make the news. So how do you get the attention of a reporter so that you might appear uh, in a news article? Okay, the tool that I use is called a media profile. And David, maybe you can share a link to a sample media profile, which will describe the background of the person. And the link will also lead you to a worksheet. Anyone who completes the worksheet can get in touch with me. I offer a complimentary 30 minute consultation to develop a strategy of how to introduce yourself to reporters. So to take another step, reporters call the people they know, and they don't call someone they've never heard of. If right. you get a call from a reporter and you've had no contact with them previously, don't think it's for a good reason. It might be for an uncomfortable reason, because how did that reporter figure out who you are and what you have to say? So you want to introduce yourself to a reporter. Using you mean they might be an investigative reporter? Yeah, yeah, yeah or, okay. or maybe it may be something else altogether. I mean, maybe the, um, the local factory is organizing a union 
Okay? And so you think, oh, that's why the reporter is calling. No, it could be something entirely different. Like there was a fire at the warehouse or there was a shooting in the parking lot it, yeah. or someone's hand got caught in the till. Right? So you don't know why a reporter is calling you spontaneously. And we, you know, we can deal with that another time. But if you want to introduce yourself professionally to a reporter, you want to describe your background and identify some of the key issues that you think people need to be thinking about. Reporters know what already happened. They want to know what's going to happen before it happens. So if you are aware of a change in a local ordinance in your municipality that's going to affect the way business is conducted, and you are advising your clients to be alert to this, then that's a good reason to get in touch with reporters. You can say, this ordinance is going to change. Here's what people have to do. Here's the deadline for compliance and so on. And now you are out in front with something that is going to happen that the reporter might not have been paying attention to. And then the reporter will want to talk to you because you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the community or in the industry. And you are alerting the reporter in advance so that they will be able to share that insight with their readers or with their viewers. So I'd like to ask a few questions in my media profile development. The first question is, why you? Right. Because there are so many other people who do the same thing as whatever it is that you do. So you have to identify why you, what makes you a credible and reliable and authoritative source. And the second question is why now? What is happening now that people need to know more about? Now, David, just before we started this conversation, you mentioned how you were contacted by reporters who had kept your name as a source after you distributed a press release about mm -hmm. a business transaction. So that's an example of having your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market so that when that issue comes up, then the reporter will think, oh, I know somebody who understands what's going on in the marketplace. Let me call this David Fellow. So and is, why this, is this why we might start to recognize the same sorts of experts appearing over and over over time when we're watching a certain media outlet? That right. they They've developed this relationship with the reporters. They become the go-to person on a certain area of topics. Right. Right, because they have identified why they are authoritative and they have described why it is important now. But the most important question, and I'm sure this is what the, the sources are doing, is they're explaining why people should care. Because they are delivering information and insights that will help someone else to save time, save money, and make more money. So if you can deliver that and your audience is an individual or a business owner or even a corporate executive, then the reporters will come back to you. And reporters call the people they know. They don't call you if they never heard of you. And if you have proven to be a reliable source, then yes, they will come back to you again and again. And not only they, but their colleagues, whether right. at the same publication or at a different publication will say, aha, this David fellow, he seems to know what's going on. I should call him myself because he already talked to, you know, my friend Pat. Are there are there like databases or places you can try to insert yourself to, to become more visible to these people? Yes, there are some directories where you can insert yourself. You can self-inscribe as someone who is available to talk about certain kinds of issues. Um, they tend to be more for business to business and, you know, professional and so on. 
okay. I, I can I can provide you with that information after the call. Well, the, let's let's dive in a little bit more about uh, you. You mentioned that if you let reporters know about things that are on the horizon, things that are going to be coming along and making an impact, that could be something that triggers that invitation that creates a news piece that you could then be you know quoted in or whatnot. Um, what are other examples of things that make the news? Well, I like to think about the world's greatest radio station. I'm sure you listen to WIIFM. Uh, all Tell the time. David, what all does it stand for? <clears throat> What's in it for me? Exactly. So yeah. if you have identified who it is that you want to be in touch with and using the five W's of the reporter, which David, you know, this who, what, where, why, and when? When. Yeah. Right. So if you have identified who you want to talk to and you have identified what it is that they need to know, you also have to figure out what you want them to do next. Right? So what do you want them to do next? You want them to give you a call. Then you have to make your phone number available. You want them to go to your website. You have to give the URL. You want them to sign up for your newsletter. You have to make sure that that's available. You want them to show up at an event or sign a petition, whatever it is that you want them to do, make a donation. You have to explain who it is that you're reaching out to, what it is that they should care about, and what they're supposed to do now that they have your sparkling insight. So the next question is when? Is this time sensitive? Is there a deadline? Or is this something like, writing a will or checking the battery in your in your fire alarm system? Is this something that you could do any time of the day, any time of the year? Then you have to think about where. Where are they looking for information? Are they looking in the general daily newspaper? Are they looking on some community news website? Are they looking in an industry newsletter or magazine? Um, and then you have to figure out why. Why should they care? Because if they listen to your advice, they would save time, save money, and make more money. Because they would know that they're in compliance, they're not mm -hmm. going to get into trouble, they've taken care of everything, and protected all their assets. So they have this person who's looking out for their best interest. They can focus on running their business, which is what they do best. Well, you know, when we're thinking about these different stakeholder groups and who we're trying to reach and 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 sort of this this broad media, um, we mentioned social media is kind of a different thing. We have the regular media, but even within the regular media, and you mentioned it once, we've got uh, both sort of the news, you know, that we see every evening on TV or in the newspaper, but then we also have the whole world of trade publications and those sort of super niched kind of uh, medias for different particular audiences. When I think mm -hmm. about industry trade media source, I'm thinking of, you know, hey, that obviously if I'm involved in this industry, I'm going to have connections in that in industry. But anything that appears in there is certainly going to be picked up by my competitors, for example. Can, can you talk a little bit about, you know, where industry trade magazines really shine and when we should be trying to think about trying to get featured in those? Okay. Um, what I like to think about is don't go it alone. See if there is a colleague or a client or a trade association professional who would like to partner with you so that the news story isn't a profile of how great you are. I mean, that's right. wonderful. But you want to make it have a broader application and a broader reach. 
So if you were, you know, someone who is outside the plastics industry, maybe you're a vendor to the plastics industry and you have a client who's in that industry, then you could go to, you know, plastics today, I'm just making this up, maybe it doesn't exist, and say, you know, Pat Jones and I would like to talk with you about this issue and it's very important. And Pat Jones will have the credibility as a member of the industry to attract the attention of the editor who will say, yes, Pat Jones in the industry, they know what's keeping our readers up at night. So that would make for a good discussion. And so the two of you working together would provide a fulsome discussion of what is the situation, how it is that you were able to address the concerns that Pat Jones had at their company, and what other people can learn from that experience. So mm. the more that you can address the hands-on, what is the situation now, how can we improve it, and what is the outcome, you know, having followed this prescriptive advice, then I think that's going to be very helpful to the readers of the publication. And it'll be an opportunity for you to come back and, you know, maybe give an update or, you know, do something else with another client, you know, also in the same industry, because you have established that you are reliable, credible, and authoritative by partnering with someone who is, you know, going through the same situation that everybody else is dealing with. Is, is so uh, what you've described, you know, looking for that other person who you can kind of come together with, with this to make this, uh, this appeal or to make this uh, this available to the media is is that kind of why we sometimes see certain companies will do things in conjunction with someone to try to raise awareness i always think of you know the new factory is going to open so let's invite the mayor to cut the big ribbon you know is is, th is that sort of part and parcel of trying to make the event more newsworthy yes and you know i and i i think it goes a little further because i think it shows that there is support in the community for this particular company. And I, and I wouldn't stop with the mayor. I mean, I would also bring in the head of the local office of economic development, the mm. city council member who's in that district, the state legislator who's in that district, you know, the federal U.S. senator or, you know, provincial representative here in Canada. So don't stop with one figure the mayor, you know, but bring in a, a couple of others. And even if they don't come, if they send a representative, and even if they don't send a representative, you are on their radar as someone who is reaching out to them and actively involved in the business growth and economic development of the community. So I, I think that that's very important. And yes, wherever a, a, a significant elected official shows up, it's always a, a photo opportunity. What uh, you described a PR effort as being a system. So you're identifying maybe things that you want to talk about, things that you want to make yourself available to talk about, how you want to be perceived by reporters. You're making time to, to find reporters, to introduce yourself to reporters. What kind of time commitment would this normally take for most businesses that, uh, that you've worked for, for example? Is it like at what point does it become someone's job, you know, to, to do this all the time? I would imagine big companies, of course, have PR departments. But what normally do you see in the world of small and medium-sized businesses? I think it would be between five and 10 hours a week. And, and I would point out that not all this activity has to take place between nine to five. Right? Hmm. So reaching out and identifying reporters and coming up with a story idea 
or a media profile, you know, that's something that you can set up in advance and then you can be distributing your emails at nine o'clock in the morning. And, you know, after that, you'll be following up a week later to see if there's any interest in talking with you and, and so forth. So that, so that's one thing. And then, you know, uh, something else that you can be doing though is following the reporters that you want to be in touch with. So read the publication, see what it is that they're writing about, and then you can be sharing and commenting on their articles. So if you read a news story in a magazine or in a newspaper, and then you, you like what you read and you think that this deserves a wider audience, then you can take the link from the online version and you can share it on LinkedIn or on Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media platform you're active, active on. And just don't just say great story, say the reason why this is a great story, the reason why this is an important story and be contributing a little bit to the conversation. Now the reporter is gonna see over time that you are sharing the links to their story and they will see that you are you know, following this issue and you are following the industry and having introduced yourself to the reporter, they will have your email address. And then that's a way that you can build the relationship. It doesn't have to be contacting the reporter every week or every month. You can be doing this other activity. And as I said, you can be doing this outside of the hours of nine to five, you know, sharing these links. And I think that will help you to build a rapport with the reporter. So you're, you're you, can also, you can also be introducing the reporter to another source, right? So it doesn't always have to be about you. It may be that they're interested in a particular angle and it's beyond your field, but you know someone else who would be good for it. And, mm. you know, a reporter would be very appreciative of hearing that this is a way to address, address an issue. So it's 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 actually engaging in a certain level to to sort of enter the orbit of that person in their interactions online so that they can notice you, but also about legitimately being a part of that conversation where right. you can demonstrate that you're able to add some degree of value through your own knowledge, background, your, what your mm -hmm. company does, et cetera. Right, right. Because it shouldn't be entirely about you and a profile about yourself. It should be a way of saying there are broader issues in this industry or this is how this is going to apply from this industry to that industry or from this community to, to our community and, and so on. So, you know, looking at the point and trying to develop it into a larger picture. Ultimately, what the reporter is trying to do is create news articles or pieces that are going to be well received in the public that they're going to be interested in. So it's, it's about figuring out what you know, ultimately the reporter might like to be able to deliver to their audience and figuring out a way that how you can contribute to that so that you end up becoming introduced to that audience. Right. It's, it's almost social media before the, you know, social media. Right, right. And, yeah. you know, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be getting into an argument here. You, you want it to be additive. Hmm. You, know, you know, you can say to the reporter, you know, I'm sure that you considered this, but perhaps it wasn't able to be included in your story because, you know, you were focused on certain aspects. But when you address this in the future, perhaps you will consider, you know, X, Y, and Z. So well, adding, adding another perspective or, or another point of view or, or information that, like I said, might have been left cut out of the article for space reasons. 
Yeah, you mentioned that there is a certain amount of time investment that that a business could put into doing this kind of strategy. Yeah, it, it, can you tell us? Is there a way to quantify, you know, the sort of the return on this time investment to to figure out if it's worthwhile or not? Well, I, I would ask this, David. You know, someone is going to be quoted in that news story, right? And and why are they talking to her and not me? I know everything about that. And I'm much better looking. <laughs> so when you see someone in the news and it's not the president or the prime minister or a movie star, then you have to think, how did that person get in the news? You know, what is it that they offered to the reporter that the reporter wanted to quote them and not anybody else on this particular subject? So, so one thing is that someone's going to be quoted, make yourself available so that that person is you. And, you know, and what happens if you're not participating, right? Then you're on the sidelines and this topic is being discussed and nobody knows that you have an opinion and an insight to share about this issue. Now, this is a topic that's hotly debated in my industry of public relations. It's called AVE, which is Advertising Value Equivalency. And some people say that you can calculate how much three lines of text in a newspaper article is going to be valued if it would have been an advertisement. Mm. But that really isn't the way to be looking at it. You know, you have to look at a much larger picture of how you are building and defending your reputation. You'll have to look at the analytics. When a news story appears, did your phone ring? Did your website traffic increase? Did more people show up than what you had anticipated? Did uh, traffic on your social media posts increase? Did uh, more referrals come in? I mean, there are so many other avenues that would be indicative of the effectiveness of a news story appearing that you can't limit it to just advertising value equivalency and you can't limit it just to did we get more phone calls or right. did more people, you know, think of us? Did we get more referrals and so on? Because, because what happens today may have a ripple effect and turn up several months later. I mean, I can give you an example. I once introduced two attorneys to a reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Ten months later, they were on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Right? Wow. And that led to a million dollars in billings and four new clients. But 10 months later, you're going to have to be patient and recognize that it takes many years to be an overnight success. Yeah. Um, are there, um, would you say that managing PR is an art form or you talked before about a, the systems, is it, you know, for you and your clients, is it checklists and, and process flowcharts all the time? Or is there some artistry that you bring to the table because of your experience in doing this? So seeing opportunities maybe that other people don't quite see when it comes to being able to, to get something out about something going on? Well, there is a question of timing. You know? Timing can be very propitious or it cannot work at all, right? I mean, I once had a local television station appear at an event for a nonprofit organization. 
and they interviewed the executive director and they interviewed some people who were participating in the event and everything was good to go, right? And then uh, maybe you remember this story, some junior German pilot threw, flew an airplane into a mountain. And this had nothing to do with this event that took place in New York City, but the new story was bumped, right? So here we had a great story and it didn't happen because something else happened in the news. So if a celebrity is going to give birth to twins, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> okay. right? You're, you're going to be bumped. So, so that's one thing. But, uh, but where you can be creative is coming up with different ways of making your story more appealing and more relatable. So let me give you an example. Um, I once had as a client a dentist who invented a toothbrush. And the great thing about this toothbrush was that the bristles were made of rubber and they were very soft. In order to convey this information, I developed what I call the tooth time quiz. And there were three questions in the quiz. And I went to an event where reporters who followed the health and beauty industry were going to be in attendance. And so my plan was to give everyone a sample toothbrush and then ask them to take this tooth time quiz. And my thought was, if they like their toothbrush and if they like the quiz, then they would include the quiz as a sort of sidebar, right? So they would describe right. what the toothbrush was about and then they would put this in as something that would be informative and would relate to the story, just like having a photograph. So David, I'm going to ask you one question from the tooth time quiz. Don't right. be nervous. The answer is in the question, okay? So this is where my creativity comes to the fore. Think about your teeth. Think about the enamel that covers your teeth, right? Now, do you yeah. think that enamel is thin or thick? You got a 50-50 chance, thin or thick? I, I think it's thin. Ding, ding, you're right, it's yeah. thin. Okay. It's as thin as an eggshell. Okay. So the beauty of this toothbrush is that you won't brush very hard and you won't damage your enamel. Okay? okay. So that's the creative aspect is how can you simplify something that's very complicated and technical and make it accessible to the general public so that now you're going to be thinking about your teeth for the rest of the night. And and so and how was it received? Did you achieve? Did you succeed in getting anyone to put that question into their article? No, I oh. didn't, unfortunately. But I did get the toothbrush mentioned two times in dental products review, and that was very important because ultimately the dentist wanted to sell you know hundreds of toothbrushes in bulk to other dentists, who would then resell the toothbrush to their patients. Or, or maybe some freebies. I know there's a special kind of floss I always get from my dentist. It's, I, I look forward to it every time. <laughs> well, that's the reason you go out to get the, yeah. You pay $100 for the cleaning and you get the floss for free. Yeah. I wish it was $100. <laughs> um, just one second, Janet. I have, to, I have to read something here. I want to let everyone know that uh, this episode of Small Business and Deal Making is brought to you by the smbpodcastnetwork.com. The network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focus on bringing you the interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice. 
ideas and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit smbpodcastnetwork.com to find out more great shows and easily subscribe to be notified of new episodes. It's a great way to discover quality content on the internet. And if you've discovered us today via the network, then I hope you're enjoying the show and we'll continue, continue, consider subscribing directly so you'll never miss one of our great episodes. And so, Janet, um, let me let me ask you a few more questions. Because you you today work as a, as a PR consultant. You work with different mm-hmm. clients. And so we mentioned earlier about the amount of time that many businesses might devote to doing a PR strategy. Do you essentially act like an outsourced PR department to kind of take that workload off people's, uh, off their plate? Yeah, that's exactly what I do. Um, my clients have diverse needs. Some of them want me to revise their LinkedIn profile. Some of them want me to do some of their LinkedIn activity. Some of them want me to help them place articles in the trade association of their target market. Some of them ask me for tips on networking and, you know, and of course I do, as I said before, you know, introduce my clients to reporters so that they can be the one that the reporter will call and be responding to their questions. And then I, I had one client, this was a very interesting experience. It was a company that had been owned by the same family for 70 years. And mm-hmm. the founder, believe it or not, was still alive, 90 years old, still involved actively in running the company. And so we wanted to have a celebration of this anniversary event. So the first thing that I did was I invited the local elected officials because I wanted them to show up and we could have some photos there. And I contacted reporters so that they would know that this event was taking place. And then I produced for this company a four page brochure. So it was simply four panels that had a picture of the company on the front and inside was a double spread of the history of the company and how it had grown over the years and taken in more uh, selling area. And then on the back was a picture of the founder and the son who was the CEO, the other son who was the vice president and the three grandsons who were going to be running the company, including the one who was about to become the CEO. Then I also, supervised the uh, remarks that were made by the MC of the event, the remarks made by the outgoing CEO, the remarks made by the incoming CEO, the remarks made by an employee. And then I worked also with a graphic designer who not only came up with the imagery and so on and helped me with the layout for the brochure, but also cleaned up all the photos so that there could be a carousel of photos of employees and past events and so on. So that when the employees came to the event to celebrate, they would say, there's you, there's me, there's Bobby, and you know, so on and so forth. So all of this was a great special event. And because I had worked in a corporate setting, I understood how to put all the pieces together and make it happen. Now, David, I haven't told you what business this was, but it was a garbage collection company. Okay. Right. And, you know, we had uh, different representatives from um, the local city council office and from the local congressional office and from the Department of Sanitation. And we had, you know, a great certificate saying how wonderful this was and, you know, 
proclamation in, in their honor and, and, and so on and so forth. So you can see this is beyond contacting the media. This was making this an event. It wasn't just a party. It was an event. And at the end, one of the sons of the founder came over to me and he says, Janet, do you have any more of those brochures? My dad would like some, which really touched my heart. It showed me that, you know, they really appreciated all I had done to, to make the event happen. We, um, we, we've got Kevin in the audience who says uh, good evening from Lakeland, Florida. And hey, Kevin, thanks for joining us tonight. If, uh, if you're watching and you have a question about PR, just put it into the chat and uh, I'll bring them up here for Janet to answer. Um, I have a couple of questions. I mean, you mentioned an event. Um, how, how are events sort of part of PR? Like, you know, you, th you think about things like a grand opening for a business and things like this. Mm -hmm. is, is that considered to be part of the PR function? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I did a, a grand opening for a um, nonprofit organization. They were going to be having a location from which they were going to be departing to lead, lead tours of the neighborhood. So that's what, that's what their business was. They were leading historic tours of the neighborhood. And so we had a grand opening for that. We invited all their members. We invited the press. We invited the local uh, elected officials. Uh, at the time, the speaker of the New York State Assembly was their representative. And so he came as well and, you know, said a few remarks. So, yeah, special events can attract attention. And, um, you know, it was a fun time. The I remember when in my university days, I was a, a volunteer with the university radio station. And when I got to campus in my first year, it was a, a closed circuit kind of thing. Like it was just broadcast on campus. And while I was there, we worked hard and raised funds and, and got a license to become a real broadcast radio station with an antenna up on a tower and everything. And I remember when we made the announcement, um, we created a press release and we tried to uh, get all of the local media, newspaper, TV and everyone to come to our, our party for launching the on-air radio station. And I remember we cr created this very, you know, uh, we told the story in the press release, but someone very wise, and I can't remember who, said, make sure you call each media outlet and make sure they received, you know, these days it was a fax, right? Make sure they received your fax and then say to them verbally, hey, you know, there's gonna be food and beer at the thing, right? And, and boy, I think that doubled the turnout Mm -hmm. of, of the media like i mean they all they all seem to show up it was a really good turnout yeah yeah food will attract a lot of people um let me ask you this sort of inside question how do you find a reporter's email address oh okay so um if i didn't mention this before uh, i was represented an american priest he was from the greek orthodox uh, denomination and he was part of the U.S. delegation who was going to Istanbul. And there, Pope Francis was going to meet with the leader of the Eastern Orthodox Church, whose name is the Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew. Okay. Now, um, if you remember world history, you know that there was a division between Rome and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Right. And this persisted for almost a thousand years. Now, Pope Francis and the Ecumenical Patriarch Bartholomew have a very close personal relationship. 
And so the fact that the Pope was leaving Rome to go to Istanbul to meet this other religious leader was incredibly big news. It could mean the end of, you know, centuries of separation between the two parts of Christianity. Now, the Pope travels with his own entourage of reporters. So he is going to be the center of all their stories. But there were a lot of other reporters who were freelancers and they were on the scene and they were writing stories. So what I did was I would find these stories and identify the reporters and figure out their email address, which sometimes was online in the article itself. Hmm. But if it wasn't in the article itself, then I would look for them on Twitter because right. reporters would be tweeting the link to their story. Now, David, you may not have noticed this, but many reporters in their bio on Twitter list their email address. Why do you think they do that? Oh, because well, I mean, they're looking for news. They're looking for news. They don't want you to tweet to the whole Twitterverse, I have an idea for a story. They want you to contact them privately. So they put their email address in their Twitter bio. So either I found the email address in the online article, or I found it in their Twitter bio, or I found them on Facebook. And I wrote to them and I said, I represent this American priest who's Greek Orthodox and he's here in Istanbul. Would you like to talk with him? And I was very successful at identifying these freelance reporters through these means of, you know, following up and finding their email address here and there. And I have to point out that at the end of this whole experience, my client got more news coverage than quotes from the spokesperson for the ecumenical patriarch Bartholomew. Now that's nuts, right? Because that person, the spokesperson, should have had the email address and access to every reporter on the planet, right? Because that's who he represents. So that to, to recapitulate, in the news story, But do you think they were putting in the same effort maybe that you were? I mean, you, you, were, you knew you had to do the work to reach out to these people to, to try and get um, your clients some of these interviews. I can just imagine, you know, celebrities and things, they're, they're more trying to control the the flow of of inquiries is it is that kind of the scene well that could that could have been part of it you know you raise a good point that you know the spokesperson might have been more protective but the spokesperson didn't have to you know be saying anything um you know directly to the ecumenical patriarch bartholomew he could have been speaking you know this is what the part the patriarch says right it, it wasn't that the reporters were asking for access to him he could have just been, you know, saying what it was that were the agreed message points. So let's recapitulate here. Many times in a newspaper article, there will be either an email address or a link to contact the reporter. If it's a magazine, they have a masthead, which is a list of all the reporters and editors and what area they cover. Do they cover pharmaceutical? Do they cover telecommunications? Do they cover technology, fashion, what have you? and it will have their email address and sometimes even their phone number. Or you can see whether they have their email address in their Twitter bio, or listen to this. Many reporters have a website where they mm -hmm. aggregate all their news stories. And what does it say on the website? Contact 
They right. have a contact form or they have their email address so that you can reach out to them directly. So there's no reason to say I can't find any reporters because reporters make their email addresses available either in the news story, on the website, in their Twitter bio, on their dedicated website page, or there are many directories of media databases and there they have thousands of publications and hundreds of thousands of reporters and their names and their email addresses and, and usually their phone numbers. And so, I subscribe to one. It's very expensive to subscribe. So you can ask someone like myself for one or two names if you can't find them anywhere else. So really it's, it's a matter of figuring out which reporters are writing about the topics that, that you mm -hmm. might be um, you know, involved with and then just doing a little bit of a little bit of sleuthing and you're going to be able right. to figure stuff out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. And, and don't only look at reporters who are writing about your client. Look at reporters who are writing about your client's competitors. Hmm. Right? Because if they're in the story, you want to be in that story, too, with your client. Right. So don't, just because no one has written about your client before, they've probably written about competitors in that industry. And that's another way that you can go about locating who the reporters are and, and figuring out how to get in touch with them. I, I find this all very interesting. Um, Janet, I, I thank you very much for setting aside some time to, to come and talk with us. Um, you had mentioned a link for uh, a media kit. Um, I'm going to put that into the show notes once, uh, once the conversation is finished here. But you also have a website that people can go to and learn more about you and your services. And why don't you give us the URL and tell us what else people can find there? Okay. Uh, my website is, of course, www.janet. My name, Janet. L is love. Falk. F is France. A-L-K. Janet. L-F-A-L-K. Dot com. And I have a lot of free resources on my website. I have the sample media profile, which you're going to share. I have a sample press release. I have um, ideas about how to network. I have ideas about how to propose an article to an industry publication. And all of this is in the resources section. And I also have a monthly newsletter. All my newsletters are on my website. So if you subscribe to my newsletter and you know there's a place for that on my website, then you can figure out how to get all the previous newsletters because there's a link to that in the newsletter. The next issue is coming out tomorrow. And uh, here's a preview. It's called Grab a Partner for the Next Event. So before you go to an industry event or a networking event, think about bringing somebody else. You can bring a new contact, you can bring a client, you can bring someone you want to get to know better. You can even connect with someone who you haven't seen for a while because we've been networking virtually and ask another member, are you going to the event? Let's plan to meet up a half an hour before, we'll have a little coffee, we'll catch up. And then you and your partner can figure out how you're going to work the room so mm -hmm. that it'll be even more productive for the both of you. That's a great bit of advice. Janet, thank you very much. Uh, and of course, uh, you work with people everywhere. Is that safe? Everywhere. All by phone, email, Zoom. There are no boundaries. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We're going to wrap it up. And uh, for everyone out there watching, thank you for tuning in. And we'll, uh, we'll see you all next time. 
So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlist, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me, with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com. Use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.